It's Wednesday, December 22nd. I'm Oscar Ramirez in Los Angeles, and this is The Daily Dive. It's a seller's market out there, and in some cases, they are flexing their muscle to squeeze the most out of selling their homes. There have been some unusual demands such as taking all of the kitchen cabinets, mid-range appliances, and even toilets. Sometimes it's for sentimental reasons, but sometimes it's just because they can't. Buyers are worn out from bidding wars and just accept the terms. Rhonda Kaysen, New York Times columnist and co-author of Right at Home, joins us for more. Next, be careful when you see your favorite influencers and personalities promoting cryptocurrency. With all the hype around crypto right now, many are promoting altcoins or meme coins, and unfortunately, they are often tied to what are known as pump and dump schemes. Influencers pump up the altcoins in their networks, the value rises for a very short period of time, Major investors dump the coins when it hits their peak, and everyone else is left with these crypto coins worth nothing. Matt Binder, reporter at Mashable, joins us for the shady world of influencers promoting cryptocurrency. It's news without the noise. Let's dive in. You know, you could have six, seven, ten bids, and you get to take the one you want. But you also have a lot of leverage once you have that ex- accepted offer because you know the buyer, if this deal falls through, may not find another house. So things that you may have negotiated before, you don't need to negotiate for anymore. Joining us now is Rhonda Kaysen, New York Times columnist and co-author of Right at Home. Thanks for joining us, Rhonda. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I've shared this on the podcast before. I am currently looking for a house, although I've taken a little step back a little bit. It's just uh, the market is so crazy right now and a bunch of bids, being outbid. Everything you hear about the housing market is true right now because I've been living through that. And uh, Rhonda, you wrote an article about how right now sellers are know they have all the power. So they're making uh, you know crazy demands and saying, you know what, I'm going to take all the fixtures. I'm going to take all the appliances I want. I'm even going to take the toilets if I want. <laughs> and so Rhonda, tell us how crazy it is right now out there. Right. We are knee deep in a seller's market. And part of that is because we are desperately short on inventory. So if you're a seller, when you go and list that house, if you price it right, you're going to expect, you know, you could have six, seven, 10 bids and you get to take the one you want. But you also have a lot of leverage once you have that accepted offer, because you know, the buyer, if this deal falls through, may not find another house. So things that you may have negotiated before, you don't need to negotiate for anymore. And so if you want to take typical things like light fixtures, which are often up for grabs, you can grab those. But if you say, as one homeowner I found out about decides they want the apple trees in the backyard, you can probably negotiate <laughs> to dig those up. <laughs> Let's get into some of these. I'll call them fun because they're just <laughs> fun to talk about. Some of these fun and crazy demands that some people have. Uh, you mentioned in the article that somebody wanted to take all of the kitchen cabinets, which, I mean, that's kind of unheard of, I think. The funny thing with that is that the buyers actually hated the cabinets. Apparently, they were very bespoke. They were bamboo. They were very highly stylized, and it was the one thing they didn't like about the apartment, but they certainly didn't want an apartment without cabinets at all. The sellers did agree to wait until they remodeled to take the cabinets, but the fact that they demanded them was just startling 
you know, it may have to do with a rising market because another apartment in that building sold for $2 million more for $17 million a few months later. So it's possible that during the time that they went into contract and closed, they realized that they may have been able to get more money. So that's also part of the psychology that might be in play, that even though you got a great deal, you may feel like if I'd held out, I could have gotten a better one. I'm taking my cabinets and going home. You mentioned the fruit trees, you know, digging up fruit trees. That was another uh, condition that somebody wanted. They wanted to take the fruit trees. The buyers were like, it's going to leave a big, ugly hole. But they agreed to that one also. <laughs> That's just nuts. Yeah. And that one, um, the sellers, I guess, heard the ch- their children had gotten the fruit trees as a gift from the grandparents. So these two fruit, these two fruit trees, I believe they're apple trees, were highly beloved. I have heard from other brokers that it's not unusual in the Hamptons for parts of the landscaping to go with the seller that they get attached to these things. But in this case, these trees were like centerpieces of the backyard. But again, you can replace them. But it seems like part of me wonders with some of these cases is what are you going to do with the fruit trees in the next property? Will they go? (laughs) Will they survive the move? Right. So, okay. So obviously some people get attached to things. Some people just want to keep the stuff that they have, but there are more reasons for it. Obviously, you know, appliances are kind of you can put it in the agreement and, and that's kind of a little bit more understandable when somebody wants to take their appliances that they bought. But a lot of times they want to take them because it's hard to get those appliances again. It's hard to go shopping for things. There's shortages. So this also plays a part into it. Normally, you might take the appliances if you have a Viking stove, if you have like a very expensive appliance. But if right now, if you're moving into a new house and the previous sellers took their appliances, you may not be able to replace them. And I know in some parts of the country, in some markets, it's not uncus. It's not unusual to take appliances to begin with. But right now, you're, you know, sellers are moving in the same market that buyers are in. So they have a lot of power, but they're buyers somewhere else. So they're also on the other end of this conversation in the next transaction. Right. I mentioned the toilet at the beginning of it because it's the funniest one to me. I used to work at Home Depot and I worked with toilets and installations and things like that. I know how nasty those things can be. Why was that? Why did this one seller want to keep this toilet? Apparently, you know, there are these new smart toilets on the market, and some of them are very, very expensive, thousands of dollars. It's not your typical toilet. They talk to you, they open, they light up, you know, they have a bidet, they self-clean. So in one case, a homeowner took all of her toilets. It was three toilets, I believe. And this (laughs) case... This homeowner was, it was a sort of a sad story. Her husband, she and her husband had renovated their home. It was, you know, it was a, you know, a typical family home in the suburbs. It was not a, you know, this wasn't a multi-million dollar property, but her husband passed away and the toilet had been this almost like a joke in the renovation. He wanted this fancy toilet. They had, they had a, a jar that they had saved money for the toilet, even though they probably could afford the toilet. They went, it was sort of an over the top toilet. And so almost to live on, to carry on his memory. She wanted to keep the toilet. She may have felt that he would have thought that was very funny. She was the only one where she included that information in the listing. So when people came for the open house, the toilet was almost like a topic of conversation because it was a pretty cool toilet. It lit up, the, the lid opened. And so the buyers were much more amenable. Nobody was offended. They understood. Rhonda Kaysen, New York Times columnist and co-author of Right at Home. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Take care. Okay, guys, one more thing. I haven't really gotten into the coin world at all, but my first venture is I'm just now 
a ambassador for this coin. It's called Save the Kids. Um, it's a charity coin, and this month alone, we're going to give a million dollars to charities. Joining us now is Matt Binder, reporter at Mashable. Thanks for joining us, Matt. Oh, thanks for having me. There is a ton of hype around cryptocurrency right now, and you know we know the big players, Bitcoin, uh, Ether, even Dogecoin to a lesser extent, but right now what we're also seeing is just a bunch of influencers promoting other cryptocurrencies they're often called altcoins meme coins things like that and you know some of these things they have some silly names and say hey you know get in right now it's the price is really low and you know obviously it will take everything to the moon but this is kind of a, a shady world you know a lot of these influencers are getting paid to promote this and they end up being these kind of pump and dump schemes which we'll get into how they work but Matt, tell us what we're seeing right now. Right. So like you said, uh, cryptocurrency is big right now, especially off of earlier this year when there was the whole thing with the meme stocks like GameStop and AMC. And then crypto blew up shortly after. You know, crypto seems to ebb, ebb and flow throughout the years. It has its big moments and it has its, its low moments. And uh, just a few months ago, Bitcoin blew up once again and Dogecoin followed. And Dogecoin especially was really important to a lot of people in the crypto world, especially when we're talking about these altcoins or meme coins, because that's what Dogecoin is. It, it wasn't set up like a, a Bitcoin or an Ethereum where it was meant to be taken as a serious endeavor. It was made as a joke. It was built off of the Doge meme. So seeing it go from under a penny to a high of 70 cents, like it did in May, a lot of people in the crypto world was like, were like, you know, what meme can we turn into a cryptocurrency? Right. Even in my own feeds, I had been seeing a bunch of people, you know, some of these influencers, I guess I didn't know who they were at the, at the time, but, you know, just saying, hey, jump in right now, get this new meme coin, get this new coin. And we'll ride it over the, to the, you know, onto the moon, as they say. But we're seeing a lot of uh, Twitch streamers, YouTubers getting into this game now. And a lot of times their fans find out later that um, there really wasn't anything to it there. They lost money and it's becoming an increasing problem. Right. You know, there, there's all sorts of different altcoins out there on different memes. And when you hear about some of them, like you said, they certainly sound ridiculous. There's one that was promoted by one of the biggest Twitch streamers, Aiden Ross, that was called TitsCoin. I had a lot of people when my piece came out, you know, share the piece and reply, you know, if you're if you're investing in something called TitsCoin, then, you know, maybe you deserve to be, uh, uh, you know, t your money taken from right. you. You deserve to be scammed. But it's like you could say the same about Dogecoin, though. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's why they have all taken their inspiration from Dogecoin. It was a meme about a dog, like a, a single picture of a dog and uh, a Shiba Inu, and it blew up as a crypto. Even the founder of Dogecoin got out of his own creation years ago before it blew up because he thought the fact that people were taking it seriously was ridiculous and he didn't want any part in it. Right. So the idea that someone young, especially think about the ages of some of these people who are watching a, a Twitch streamer, they hear about Dogecoin, then they hear in the media about these few lucky people who became Dogecoin millionaires. And it's like, wow, if I, if I got in early on one of these next meme coins, that could be me. I, I want to take part in that. That's what happens here. I, I don't think it's helpful for people to try to, like, you know, claim that, uh, you know, it's obviously a scam because I think Dogecoin is proof that um, 
there are people who get lucky. And unfortunately, uh, I guess uh, when your favorite influencer is hawking something and you're of a certain age, you trust them and you don't think they're going to be doing something for just their own benefit. They're trying to get me in on the winnings, too. But unfortunately, <laughs> exactly. that's, that's not the case. They refer to it as a pump and dump scheme a lot of times. And basically, you know, you'll have an influencer pump up the coin, say, hey, this is great. Let's get in on this. Uh, the values will go up for, you know, super short time in a lot of cases. And then everybody else that already has a bunch of the coins, who's already invested, dumps all that out. And then the thing tanks. And then if you're left, one of the few people left holding some of that, you know, the value for you really plummets. Right, right. And see, a lot of times with these altcoins, like a, uh, like a tits coin or another one I talk about in the piece, uh, Save the Kids, uh, another one's Bank Social. The thing is that a lot of these altcoins have pre-sales for uh, people who know about the, the, the altcoin before it actually launches to the public. What happens here usually is who gets in? The influencers who they hire to market the coin, the, uh, their friends and family members, and they buy it at pre-launch at the you know, absolute lowest value before it goes live. Um, it launches. The influencers tell everyone, hey, this is a great new investment here. You should buy into it. Uh, the coin goes uh, rockets up from all the people buying into it. Um, and then when it hits a certain point, Usually, the whales, as they call them, the people who hold uh, the, the, the majority of this crypto, end up dumping it because they're going to walk away with a return on their investment. And when they do this, because they're holding so much of this coin, it completely tanks the value of it. And then everyone else who bought in because they thought it was going to be a great investment because their favorite influencer told them, and they bought when it was already you know, going up in price, you know, they, they've bought at a price that this coin will never likely get to again. Right. Or even worse, they've lost uh, everything because the coin ends up being worthless. Like there is there is two things that happen here. Not all these coins I should I should stress are, are built to be a scam or to bilk people of money. It just turns out that way because of how it's built, even if someone does have the best intentions. Um, but you know, these, these projects fail and sometimes people are left with getting not even, you know, a portion of their money back. The, right. the project's just done. One of the examples you use in the piece is the esports team phase, uh, the phase clan. And, you know, they have a bunch of guys on their team and, uh, uh, you know, between all of them, uh, a bunch and a bunch of followers, and they were pumping out a couple of, uh, coins that they were, um, they wanted people to get into and a lot of their followers got in on that. I think uh, it, it all tank, uh, you know, crashed down just as you had been describing. And a lot of their fans were, were pretty angry that uh, that they even kind of started shilling it out to them. Right, right. They, they, Faze, Faze Clan seems to be a major uh, 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 tool for these crypto these altcoins to go to in order to promote their their, their uh, crypto. Well, basically, you know, they're they're a huge. Uh, esports team. In fact, just this month, they became the first ever esports organization to grace the cover of Sports Illustrated. So, you know, what we're talking about here is pretty much like, you know, the LeBron James of their field. Um, so you have this team uh, go ahead, and not, not all of them, but a number of high profile members, people with millions of followers across various platforms. They promote these altcoins, and what I said has happened in terms of the pump and dump. 
through pretty much every coin I came across. There, there's one member who I noticed would promote probably more than half a dozen over like just a few weeks span, uh, Faith K. And I know he's come out since my piece and has apologized for what went down and claiming that, you know, he, he didn't really know what was going on here. But that, regardless, I mean, the idea that you would just throw all these investments out and claim that all of them are going to be, uh, you know, a, a good investment for your fans, as there's time in between for you to see each one of these coins tank. I mean, I should stress here that it's not like people would buy these coins and over a few weeks or months span, it would suddenly tank. No, I'm talking literally within hours after these influencers were promoting these coins, this thing would, these coins would just be worthless. And one example is Save the Kids. And this one is especially egregious because uh, a number of uh, uh, members of FaZe Clan, including some prominent YouTubers who aren't part of that team, like Ricegum, promoted this token called Save the Kids. And Save the Kids, what they did, now that doesn't sound like a meme, right? Because it wasn't. This is another uh, uh, marketing scheme that some of these altcoins use, and that's the charity angle. And this coin marketed itself as a cryptocurrency that would tax a percentage of all transactions and give it to children's charities. This coin launched on June 5th, being pumped by a number of these influencers. They, they were even uh, showcased, these influencers were even showcased on the Save the Kids website yeah, as like official am ambassadors. Um, and they made a marketing video for the coin. It launches June 5th. It goes up. And then within a few hours, it tanks all the big holders sold. Uh, two weeks later, on June 17th, there's an announcement in the official Save the Kids Telegram channel where basically the founders who are funding the operation have disappeared. The developer they contracted, they can't, the developer can't get a hold of them. So effectively, the developer announces at this point, unless he can find someone else to help keep the operation going, Save the Kids coin is dead. Wow. So, I mean, you have people who bought into this who now have uh, are holding a worthless investment. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, by the way, since my piece was published, at the time it was published, those, influence were those influencers were still prominently showcased on the website. After it was published, uh, whoever was responsible for the Save the Kids website uh, took the influencers down, left everything up on the website, just removed their images, uh, again, supposedly the founders bailed. I don't know who's responsible for the website, but their images have now been removed to short, sort of uh, keep them away, far away from whatever went down here. Yeah, I mean, all of this is really those cautionary tales that you need to hear. You know, the cryptocurrency market right now is pretty volatile. It's kind of the Wild West. Few rules, no regulation or oversight, really, in a lot of cases. And uh, you got to do some research when you come across some things like this. So one of the key things to note is, when somebody's, uh, um, you know, maybe shilling this, and not in all cases, right, but they'll put in, you know, in, in their post, you know, this is not financial advice, you know, trying to limit their their liability and all this stuff. And it's something key to look out for when they start promoting these types of things. But, uh, you know, and, and especially when you're dealing with these altcoins, they can pop up out of nowhere and die just as quick as you were just mentioning. So uh, I would suggest everybody go read, uh, read Matt's full piece on this because there's a lot of interesting things in there. Matt Binder, reporter at Mashable. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me.
that's it for today. Join us on social media at Daily Dive Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Leave us a comment, give us a rating, and tell us the stories that you're interested in. Follow us on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you get your podcast. This episode of The Daily Dive was produced by Victor Wright and engineered by Tony Sorrentino. I'm Oscar Ramirez, and this was your Daily Dive.